Hello and welcome to episode 35 of A Beer With Sam and Peter. Yeah. It's another round number that I, I feel shocked <laughs> by. <laughs> shocked that we've managed to yeah. stay this committed. You know, we reached another round, we reached another round number. We reached uh, 1,500 total listens. Yep. Which seems insignificant in, in the great scheme of, of podcast life, but it's significant <laughs> to us. Um, so if you've been listening to us for a while, yay. We Thanks. Did it. Thanks, Mom. We did it. That's just on SoundCloud, though. So we like have the, no idea what have no idea what it actually is. More than fifteen hundred, I'm assuming. Yeah, be weird if it wasn't. How are you going? I'm I'm going alright. I've I've been on holiday. I went to Melbourne for six days, which we'll talk which about. Which is kind of fun. Um, starting a job on Monday. So yeah, which was I'm going to be a great relief. For yeah, everyone. great great relief. Going to be proper employed adult, which is. Which is kind of nice. I don't know. I've been I've been just kind of relaxing and just like vegging out massively, and it'll be good to be getting back to work and actually getting back into more of a routine and just like not doing what I did yesterday, which was get up, have plans, <laughs> and then have those plans cancelled on me. So I was just in like a state of not just really knowing in. what to do with myself, yep. and so I sat in my jocks and watched Netflix <laughs> all day and. Ordered a pizza. Never a bad And I haven't, I haven't eaten a whole pizza in like three months. Oh, yeah. And I, it was one of those things where I like ate it and that, just, that was just my day then. <laughs> like, I just could not move. What did you I, do like, today? I, just, I ate a pizza. I ate a pizza. I napped throughout <laughs> the day because it just took that much effort to digest this thing that I decided <laughs> I needed to eat. Like a sarlacc. <laughs> <laughs> I had to go into hibernation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um... And then, and then, yeah, uh, we went and saw a movie last night, which we was, went and saw which Kong, Kong, which we're talking about on a different podcast. Different podcast, because really we want to really, really unpack how bad it was. Yeah, not that it was there bad. Were, there were there were some there were some good bits, but it was an enjoyable movie. I wanted anyway, to anyway, we'll, we'll talk about Kong and the other Kong. What have you been up to, Sam? How's your life going? Uh, it's going how's, all right. How's fucking uni? It's going all right. Uni's uni's going okay, to be, to be honest, and I. I've had, I haven't had another sort of like really awkward encounter, uh, like the last one I talked about in the podcast. <laughs> so that's been nice. That must, nice change of pace. Yeah, that's right. I've, um, I've been in a big game vacuum. Yeah. You know, like, you know, you, you know that feeling, it's like a really specific feeling when you need a new game because like I'm sitting, I've been playing, I've been sitting there like looking at. The many games that I the yeah, there's, that there's I been have. like three you've been tossing up between. Yeah. Oh no, not in terms of buying a new one. But that's that's a whole other problem. But like, but just the ones, the ones that you, that you own, already own. It's uh, like I want to play something and I sit down. I'm like, oh, and then there's just there's just too many to make any choice. I'll play like half an hour of of each game and just sort of get sick of it the first time I die or something like that. I'm like, no, I don't really want to do it. Like, yeah, I'll go in and I'll go play. I'll go play some Bloodborne, which I love, and then I'll die at a boss and be like. Ugh. Why am I doing this? <laughs> you know, and I'll go play something else, and then I'll I'll do that for a couple of, for like half an hour, and then I'll do another one. It's time to get a new game. Yeah, I'm trying to decide between For Honor, Horizon Zero Dawn. I think that's right. Yep, that's his name. It's a stupid name. And uh, Neo. Yeah, the Dark Souls. Um, Nin- thing. Samurai Dark Souls. Samurai Dark Souls. About. Yeah. And they're all good options, and I'm not sure what to do with them. <laughs> you know, one scratches the Far Cry itch. Yep. It's like Far Cry with 
with cyborgs. Yep, it's like Far Cry with robot dinosaurs. Which looks very and, cool. And if that doesn't convince you to buy it, I don't know what will. Yeah. There's a, there's a moment we have to like find this massive thing. Very King Kong-esque kind of. Like it's, it's, it's so big. It's like this dinosaur type sauropod thing. And you have to get to its head. And so that it's a platforming boss fight. Yeah. Like on it. Kind of like God of War style. Very cool. I don't know. I'm excited to get that game. But I'm also excited to get Neo because it's Dark Souls. And I'm also excited to get Florano because it's... Because it's like new and cool like and medieval different. fighting game. Yep. It's Vikings versus Samurais it's versus Knights. I really liked Medieval Warfare, um, which is a similar sort of game, like prototype, basically, for Florano. Mm. Except it's thousands of years old. Yeah. Right I don't know. I'm in a, a game back in, so I'm trying to say. Yeah. And all the games I'm playing now are really old. Like, I've gone the other way. I'm like, oh, maybe I'll play Smite. <laughs> so I, like, you know, picked up Smite again. Because it's one of those MOBAs where, like, you, Smite was a good, had a good business model where you pay $20 and then you own all the characters that are ever going to come out. So I did that way back when. I was like, well, you know, no skin off my nose. I'll play them. It is it turns out it is skin off your nose because you have to play the mode, which means you have to like have interaction with that community. Yeah, which is just so so bad. <laughs> it's so toxic. I won three games in a row. I was on a team where we won pretty and well. And you said like people bitching. Yeah, money. as the game ended, it's like you're bad. What was that? All this kind of all the shit being thrown everywhere. You know. And usually, I think in a, in a, like I'm used to games where there's a bit of toxicity. Yeah. But it's usually on the sort of level where you, there's one guy, usually a young guy. There's one guy like getting annoyed and saying how he's gonna, you know, fuck your mom. And then he blasts then rap a, music through his yeah, like, something like that terrible, terrible mic. A bunch of and then a bunch of other people saying like, "Oh man, you know, cut the shit, don't calm down. It's a video game." But in this time, it like you, you're you're vastly outnumbered by the shitty people. So when you get it, finish a lobby, it's like eight people and like seven of them are being, are being shitty like <laughs> to each other turns. and it's just this massive <laughs> storm and I just couldn't hand, handle it. You know, like I had some real fun because that's a really good looking game. Great premise. You play, it's a MOBA where the heroes are all gods and you, there's, you get a big chunk of history, big chunk of lore and they're not always like well-known gods. Really like that. It's just the people suck. <laughs> just that the people suck. Yeah. So. What can you do, though? Anyway, that's a big preamble. Anyway, Today we're drinking... Anyway, yeah, the beer we're drinking. Another very special beer. We've had one of these before. It's from a brewing company, a little microbrewery in uh, uh, Mount Tambourine. Yep. Which is near Brisbane. Awesome place. It's it's like... It, it's a company runs it and they run... Yeah, this place, Fortitude Brewing Company. Yeah. And they yeah. also run Witching... Witch something or other cheese company. Right. So you can have like some really nice cheap because beer it's from cheese. them. Beer and cheese. Very cool. Yeah. And, and have so, this so, so the one here. the one we have this time is like Middle Earth beer. Yeah, it's called Through the Gate. Which I believe is a reference to the Black Gate. To the Black Gate, yep. And it's New Zealand Indian Pale Ale, which means I think I saw this on the board, but it's like a blend, right? There's some New Zealand hops, is that what you blend with other stuff? I suppose. I don't know, we probably. should know this. Yeah. And Indian stuff. <laughs> Uh, no, it'd be like an Indian style pale ale, right? Well, there but you it's go. made with New Zealand ingredients or you know, from New Zealand or something. I'm not here to tell you this. You, you can Google it; it's well, fine. Actually, no, they probably would. They, it's <laughs> if it's brewed in, in Mount Tambourine, there shouldn't be an Australian somewhere in there. Yeah, it's an Australian New Zealand IPA. 
And it's, anyway, what do you think? Let's, let's have a taste. Taste it first, and you let me know whether there's something wrong with it because I have stored it in my. It, like you go fill your own bottle, mm-hmm. and I was terrified of. Did they clean it out for you before you messing it up? Filled it up? I don't know. I just handed it to them. But what well, after I was finished with the bottle, I you know I was thinking about all that and like really like I chucked it in some boiling water and washed it up and stuff. Did you do that when before you took it over? Uh, I did that after we finished. Right, right. Yeah, no, it'll probably be fine. No, it tastes fine. Does it taste like beer, Peter? It does taste like beer. Okay, that's a good sign. Does it taste like poison? No. Does it taste like poison to you, Sam? You know, beer, poison, much of a much. (laughs) No, I think it's kind of nice. I mean, cheers. Yeah, cheers. We can do that. We can do that because we're drinking out of goblets. We're drinking out of cans and and coffee cups. Yep. The clink's been missing from our lives. (laughs) So what, what do you think? Yeah, yeah, no, it's good. So last time from these guys, we had uh, an Irish stout, which I really enjoyed. Yeah, I think that was the Irish stout was better. Mm. I don't know. It's a great system. Like if you if you live in Brisbane and you're listening to us, Mount Tambourine's like an hour away, and it is well worth a visit. Definitely give that a shot. I think it's all right. Do you want to move on to the homework movie? I think we should. Yeah. So the homework movie for this week is a animated kids movie called Atlantis the, the Lost Empire. Atlantis, which I think a lot of us, a lot of you guys probably know from your childhood. It was one of those fairly well-known childhood kind of movies. Yeah. It, it, like sort of early 2000s. Yeah. Like late... Um, late 20... Uh, yeah, late twentieth century. Did <laughs> we get that right? Yeah, late late nineteen nineties. I always thought that system was weird. What the twentieth century? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> bastards. And so it was interesting. So we, I picked this because we were scrolling through Netflix, and Peter had never seen Atlantis, and I was like, ah, oh, I gotta see Atlantis. But it looks like for you, it was uh, it was one of those movies where if you don't watch it as a kid, it's not good now. Yeah, like it was very to me. It just seemed like a very sort of by the numbers kids movie that it, although it had some quirky sort of characters, yeah. like the mole man. The characters and- are really like it. I think in terms of just the characters, it's one of the it's one of the best kids movies in terms of characters. It's done that, but like every the thing I remember about Atlantis, probably because nothing else is memorable, are the characters, and I I think there's not really like one dud in there. Does that make sense? Like, each character, for me, I remember as being individually funny. Yeah. In some way. Yeah, yeah. So, so it, it has the interesting characters, but then the, the plot is very, very incredibly, incredibly simple. Yeah. And there's no real, like, character development between all of these characters. So, for those who That's haven't true. actually watched it yet, the general premise is that there's this researcher guy who's... Sh- shut in archaeologist who believes who's like Atlantis. he's like relegated down to the basement in the universe like boston university which i i, I always enjoy that scene i think that's good he's got this sort of like he's he's doing his presentation to a fake set of yeah of people yeah yeah so he's like trying to get funding to go fund a, uh, an the expedition to go and try and discover the lost city of atlantis because his grandfather um was into that yeah stuff and he wanted to follow in his footsteps. Yeah. And so he gets rejected. And then this rich billionaire guy is like, oh, yeah, I'll give you money and a crew and stuff. Because he was a friend of his Because he was a friend of his grandfather. Yeah. You should go do this. Um, and then and then does that. And then very, very quickly, it all goes wrong. But then they discover Atlantis. Well, they, then- get, they do the classic sort of like thing where you, they, they have a military escort. The military escort just wants to kill shit. Yeah. 
And they've got to stop the military escort. Yeah, basically. King Kong. And it's just incredible. To me, it was just incredibly predictable. And there was all these things about the the character. Like, I just... The the characters had all been together for such a short period of time. I really didn't get why. There's, like, this big moment where... um, like everybody sort of turns evil, and like and, and all military and stuff. And well, they were always evil. Yeah, well, they were always evil and military and stuff, and they like take by force the ancient weapon from the Atlanteans, which I definitely and, didn't um, see as a kid. Uh, I think that's probably the one part of the story that's not super paint by numbers. That it's not like that the military guy is the bad guy, right? You all see that coming right from the start. In Holmes is bad. Yeah, I wasn't expecting like. All the people, everybody but Milo, to be to be in on it. They also well, no, I, I completely like that. You was, completely that was like, completely oh, yeah, obvious okay. to me. And then, so that like that happens, and then pretty quickly, Milo like Milo, Milo falls can, in love with the the only eligible woman in Atlantis. <laughs> yeah, he falls in love with the only eligible woman in Atlantis. But then he also convinces them to all go on his side for no reason. Yeah. Um. After they've been after they know all known each other for at max at absolute maximum a week, right? But the the timeline of the movie makes it seem like a lot like a lot shorter time period, right? Um, they all decide to betray their boss and like save Atlantis. Well, no, their their whole their whole thinking was basically that they're they're all sent down there to steal the power source from Atlantis, assuming that obviously all the people from Atlantis. Are dead because they died a long time ago, yeah, and then when they just... get there, and when the, when Milo explains like the 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 military guys like ah oh, fuck these people, I'm still taking the crystal, and the other people are like uh, uh. it just it just seemed to me that it really took for the like the reason to me seemed like why they went against their military dude and sided with the Atlanteans and and Milo. Was because well, it's clearly the right thing it, to it do, was, isn't it? Yeah, I know, and it's like kids' movie, but it seemed like it. It made it seem like it was more oh, the power of friendship, and and that's why <laughs> right. they're going with him rather than being like, hmm, this seems this like dubious circumstances. This is a dumb plan. This yeah. is a really dumb plan. Yeah. yeah, and then and then also the thing about how he falls in love with the girl after spending like twenty minutes running around. <laughs> to with be her. fair, she hasn't met anyone <laughs> new in. A very long time. That's true. Then they come up with the fact that she's like hundreds of years. She's old like nine hundred years old. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. I think we. I think it's you can't do this with most. Like I, I would, I would argue that there's only a handful of kids' movies that I can think of where the story isn't as predictable as this one is. Toy Story. Think- you know what's going to happen. It's a great movie. Right? I think you would agree that Toy Story is a pretty great movie. Toy Story is a great movie. Right? Lion I love King, Toy Story. you know what's going to happen. It's a pretty good movie. Yeah, but I, I know, feel like, like it's I, different. It's, I think it's only different because you've... Yeah, maybe. maybe. I don't but, know. But that like, being you said, don't, you don't that being said there, has, there has been kids' movies released in the last five years that I have really enjoyed that have had a more complex But that's pro- been a plot. quite a, a new thing is making, I feel like making these not, movies though. that are more and more not for kids. They're, they're, they're G-rated movies that everyone can watch. They're, like it, the, I think the movies that we're seeing now are really, like, truly that idea of a movie for the whole family. 
where it's it, it's a movie. It's so much a movie for the whole family, like Zootopia, right? That it or or um, I feel like that isn't such a new trend though. Like I feel well, like that what, is the what, kind what, of what movie would you say is is like Zootopia or like uh, the movie that I can Inside Out, Inside Out, or stuff or, like that. Like those movies, I would argue, weren't even written. When with people thinking about kids, they were just thinking about up, like a, like a harmless family. Like all the all the Pixar movies, I feel like are written for the whole family. I feel like something like Wreck It Ralph and um, pretty new, pretty new, but not that new. The oldest movie that I can think of like that is probably Monsters Inc. Yeah, which is like fairly almost old. twenty fairly years old. old. But I, like, there are a lot of kids' movies that people like a lot. That have plots that you clearly, you know what's going to happen. I mean, it's like one of the, it's it's one of the key things that like people are told to do when they make kids movies. You want to make a good kids yeah, movie, yeah, yeah, exactly. you need to make it predictable because kids will enjoy that. Yeah, and you need to make it simple so it's easy to follow. Well, actually, I just, actually, I just, I just feel shown, like... I was, I was looking at some really interesting stuff because I'm a guy who rewatches stuff all the time. Yeah. And there've been a lot of studies funded pretty well by people who like companies that produce movies that say that um, if you know that the sto- story being told to someone, even a verbal story or like an anecdote, a very tiny thing or a movie, people um, like objectively like measuring people's responses and stuff. Um, people enjoy hearing a story more the second time because they know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. They have this expectation that's like fulfilled. So I, I suppose I, you know I think that's why you make a kids movie that's really easy to follow. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, just to me, I feel like this is not one of the classics. I really so I enjoyed watching this, and I enjoyed watching it because I, I remember loving all the characters, and I, I like watching it again. There are some really good lines from those from those characters, you know. Which and one of of all the like side characters? Like, which one's your favorite? It's funny shit. Um, ah, uh, it's tough. It's tough to go past the mole. The mole guy <laughs> with his dad. And the, be- the, the best thing for me is when the is... doctor like pulls out the soap and he's like, back, back, you know. He's like, <laughs> he only really has like one scene though. And most of the characters only really have one scene where you get to see them being like funny and interesting. That's, yeah, that, 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 that's like, pretty fair. There's a few um, funny, there's a few characters that, though. I mean, that's, yeah, that, that's, that's why. the thing. Uh, my, my favorite was the uh, explosives expert <laughs> who owned the flower shop. He has a two or three. Yeah. Good scenes. Yeah. Uh, the cook is really great. I think the, the cook has mm. one of my favorite lines of all <laughs> animated four, movies. The four food groups? Yeah. <laughs> He's pretty great. And he talks about like, like, oh, don't worry, Milo, you're not letting it go to waste. This just keeps and keeps and keeps. <laughs> uh, one thing I didn't notice about like, uh, so so Pete doesn't like it. I, 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 still, I still had fun with it. Yeah, I, I it was fine. It. I just didn't. So, so I watched it a couple of weeks ago. That's why I suggested it mm. as a homework movie, because I had a tight week and I thought, okay, you know, I, I can get away with not doing a homework movie. And um, when you told me that you didn't like it, I decided to watch it again. Um, and then I did, and then I did a, just another test. They've been putting out some some of my favorite kids movies on Netflix recently, like some of the ones that I really I have on VHS. I'll preserve them. The reason I still own my, my VHS player is so I can show that to my kids or just watch it again or whatever. And they released three in the last like couple of weeks. They put Hercules on there. 
which I really, really, I mean, it's, it's that, that, that's a big one for me. It's not like it spoke to me as a kid, but I just watched it as a kid. It was one of the movies we had. Just remember all the songs. Treasure Planet, which is my favorite animated movie of all time. I think it's, it's great. It's one of those ones that a lot of people haven't watched. Should get on it. Especially yeah. Since yeah. It's like on there's, there's a fair few Disney movies from that sort of time really that not good. many people watch. Like, yeah. Like, I feel like this is one of them and Treasure Planet. Yeah. And, and Sinbad. Sinbad's on there. It's another one where, like, no one's li- no one's watched Sinbad. Uh, I, I was, like, talking to people and I was like, that's a really, really good adventure movie that uh, DreamWorks put out, like, about the same time as Prince of Egypt. Mm. Except it just got no... Like, I think it's way better than Prince of Egypt. Is, Brad is, Pitt is, is, is Prince of Egypt Disney? Uh, I think it's DreamWorks. Okay. Uh, Brad Pitt, man, is the voice of Sinbad in that movie. And just no one ever watched it. It was yeah. it was it was a good movie. Catherine Zeta Jones was the female lead. Um, oh, yeah, that was a great movie. I watched I watched that the first time a little late, like at eleven or twelve. Mm. And whew, there's some there's some good looking <laughs> female cartoon anime, women, cartoon women oh, in, that, in that movie for sure. <laughs> for sure, the the main villain is Eris, the goddess of chaos. She's pretty great. She's pretty great. There's a scene where she's having a bubble bath. All right, Sam. Super down. Good stuff. Super down. She's having a bubble bath, except all the bubbles are globes representing, like, people in terrible situations. She's great. She's um she's actually very reminiscent of Hades from Hercules, who right. was a great character. I think we can all agree that James Wood's Hades is, is amazing. Hey, yeah. Hades, Lord of the Dead, how you doing? He's <laughs> 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 good stuff. Did I ever tell you the story? We're just not going to talk about Atlantis that much. We're just going to talk about kids' movies. Yeah. Like, for instance, Sinbad. So, I watched that. And the reason I watched that, again, is because, one, it's good. And I was tired. I couldn't handle it. Like, a complicated movie. But, two, it's... I watched it to have a bit of a comparison. You know, it was a, it was a li- little bit of a litmus test because I knew that that movie was good. As an adult, you can watch that movie and enjoy it, right? Yeah. And I rewatched that. And then, suddenly, my idea of how good Atlantis stacked up was, like very much diminished so I, I really I see where you're going I still like the characters in, in Atlantis um, I think the the art style is, is really really satisfying like all the all the Atlantean technology the Leviathan looks really good actually yeah that is one thing I will say for the movie is yeah. that the art is really fantastic and it was one of those animated yeah. movies it was one of the sort of first occasions where they used the 3D animation in a 2D animated movie yeah which I think was really effective. Yeah, that, those are done well. But just, just like the if whole, you want to watch a kids like movie the whole Netflix, vibe of the ancient civilization and that sort of thing was really yeah. cool. If you want to watch a kids movie on Netflix that you haven't seen yet, watch Zootopia. Well, if you haven't seen Zootopia, you absolutely have to watch it. That's, yeah, that's not a good kids movie. That's just a good. It's a movie. Fantastic film. Uh, but Sinbad's better than this. If you haven't seen that, go for that first. If you haven't seen Treasure Planet, go for that. Yeah, because that's also on Netflix. Also on Netflix, great movie. Yeah. Um. I doubt you haven't seen Hercules, but if you haven't we'll seen watch, that, then watch definitely Hercules. watch that. All the all, yeah, watch those. Lion King, Atlantis. obviously, but it's still good. Like if Atlantis was your kids' movie, like were your childhood movie, I understand. Mm. It's I'm not saying it's terrible, but it is. It didn't stack up for me next to some of the others. Yeah, my sort of childhood mo- movies was like Shrek, which is a bit older though. I mean, a bit newer. Sorry, a bit newer. Younger. But uh, no, well, Shrek came out when we were like six and seven. That's true. A lot of these... so it's not it's not that new. No, really, it say it came out at the same sort of time as this. It was like Shrek and Toy Story. God, Shrek was pretty good. And like the Winnie the Pooh movies, and Donkey, and Shrek Two. 
Eddie Murphy. What a great film. Sweet God. <laughs> Do you know they're still making those? They are still making those, yeah. That's almost sad. You know it? they're still making Ice Age movies? Yeah. They had one where they were in space. You know what? I have enjoyed every <laughs> single Ice Age movie. I will stand by those movies. Also, a great, a great kids movie. I said the one. Hall of Fame of kids' movies, I think. Did I you watch watched. Brother Bear? That was a good movie. That was a good movie, too. You know what? There are a lot of good kids' movies. There sure are. Well, anyway, anyway. There sure are. <laughs> we look wistfully off into the distance. Uh, yeah. We'll move on. So, we'll move on. And I will very briefly talk about... Uh, I went to Melbourne. Yeah. So, my trip to Melbourne from the past week. And one of the really cool things that I did there that I think is pretty relevant to our podcast and to our audience is I went to the... I went to ACME, so the Australian Centre for the Moving Image, mm. which is not to be confused with that place that sells you faulty bombs. <laughs> yeah, or, yeah, like it's not the Wiley Coyote yep. explosives manufacturer, which is a- actually a, a real thing. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I don't think they sell faulty bombs there. They sell like chemicals and stuff. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And I think anyway. <laughs> anyway, 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 anyway. Yeah, so the Australian Centre for the Moving Image is this free museum in Melbourne. Um, like, it's near uh, the square, whatever the square is called, Fed Square, Federation Square. I don't really know um, my way around Melbourne very well. Neither do I, really. I mean, yeah. but yeah, yeah, it's near Federation Square. It's a free museum, and it's basically like a film and television and video games museum mm-hmm. it's free to enter they quite often have um like paid exhibitions and stuff there yep but they've also got this specific, like this little room where you can go in and sit down and just watch movies which is really cool is it on just like a running loop of well no movies? there's like there's like a bunch of different pods like sort of couch areas where you just kind of go down sit like sit down you select like, the movie you select the movie you want to watch and they've got mm. Like a bunch of really old classic stuff as well. Maybe so a lot like, of people just watch movies there. So yeah, so like they've got stuff from like the nineteen tens of like the first French films ever made. Like the sort of like you know the the movies that were in um, the non talky ones, the ones with cards. Yeah, well, the non talky ones, like but the ones that were in um, Hugo. Yeah, it has those movies that oh, you can watch the whole wow. thing. So yeah. I watched the I watched the one where they shoot the where they shoot the guy into the moon. And I'd like watch that whole ten minute oh, film. Hugo was not the movie that I expected it to be. No, it's not at all. Yeah. Um, and there's like a bunch of classic Australian films and that sort of thing that you can just sort of go yeah. in, chuck on some headphones. And, How modern and watch. Does, it, does it get? Um, not that modern. I didn't look through all the feature films. I was sort of just looking through old stuff, and I was there with my cousin, and we just sort of flicked through a couple of things and, yeah. and left. But there, I think there's like full length movies and stuff on there you, that you can watch. How was the video game section? Because I've actually um, gone to a few video game sort of, I guess you would call them museums or like uh, or exhibits or something, and they're always really done quite well. Yeah, well, it wasn't, it wasn't like a, it it wasn't a massive section, mm. but they did have a whole thing about going through history of video games from so from starting out to yep. the very basic like Commodore sixty four and stuff. Even and they have examples that. of that, and and they have examples of that, so yeah. you could you could play like a pong machine yeah. and then you go up sort of up sort of through the consoles play mario 64 play um like some fighting games and, and that sort of thing and they had like doom set up and was this were, were there any sort of people like real life smurfing because i remember um there was an exhibit that came to i think all video game exhibits end up sort of being the same actually but yeah. I, you know i went to 
um, one when it came to Brisbane. Hmm. And it had exactly the same thing, video games throughout the decades, so you could play them. And the one that represented the modern time was Halo 2. They had Halo 2 set up as a, you know, like you stood around this pylon of screens and you played this one never-ending multiplayer match of Halo 2. Yeah. And, boy, I think that was, that was the closest that came to being a truly evil man. <laughs> you know, I came on, at the time I was playing, like, semi-competitive Halo 2 and just just came on and really destroyed people from all walks of life, you know. <laughs> Sick satisfaction, yeah. Yeah, so... It was they, like a LAN party for, they had forever. That, like, the, the main sort of video game setup they, they had is they had, like, a bunch of PS4s and Xbox 360s right, set up, which had, which had a bunch of pretty recent games. So, they had, like, Nidhogg set up, and they had The Witness. Oh, Nidhogg's a good one, And too. showing up a bunch of, like, art games and stuff like yeah. that as well. Well, I'm sure, had, I'm sure some of the new... Some of, like, the people who were just sort of stumbled into the exhibit saw Nidhogg and thought, like, well, <laughs> the modern age. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, so they had, like, a bunch of cool... Cool current games yeah. set up. Not a bunch of like AAA games, but a bunch of games that I would say are culturally relevant. So stuff like stuff like Nidhogg and The Witness, and they had the Telltale adventure game, oh, right. which I can't remember what That's it's called. That's an interesting right one now. to exhibit because it's really a personal experience that that goes over a, like yeah. a significant chunk of time. Yeah. I would have thought that it would be kind of. Hard to really yeah, so show they, off a they, Telltale game. It, I mean, it's not really... Uh, it wasn't a Telltale. It was the um, uh, Double Fine. Uh, yeah. The Double Fine adventure of... game that they had come out, which I've forgotten the name of. Um, but do you know what I mean? If you if you were to like... Yeah. For yeah. instance, like, it, I don't was, know how Telltale demos their games. It was an interesting sort of setup that they had. Yeah. Showing off a bunch of pretty cool games. Um but one of the coolest things that I thought they had there was the movie exhibits. So they had a bunch of exi- like exhibit things like in kind of the museum, I suppose, about um, sort of going through Australian film history and, and then also like demonstrating yeah. different film techniques. Australian, this is actually interesting going through like Australian film history stuff though, because I feel like it's something that for some reason, like anyone who's in Australia has a sort of almost a negative reaction to Australian mm. movies these days. Like, um, well, I experienced that last night. We were in the line for uh, getting tickets. I was, you weren't there yet. And, um, like, there was a kind of a semi-obnoxious couple in front of me. You know the kind of people that, look, they're, they're actually fine, but it was just annoying to me. It would have yeah. been annoying to you personally as well, being someone who watches movies, because they were talking about something they, they knew so little about you know they were trying to be like film critics about just just stuff that they had no clue about you know um they talking about moonlight but like they were they they had opinions on moonlight peter which first of all they freely admitted like like later on in their conversation yes i was listening to these people but you know that neither of them had watched moonlight uh, and they hadn't heard about it until that Golden Globes thing. Or was it Golden Globes? I can't remember. I don't really pay attention to that stuff. <laughs> oh man, it was pissing me off. But they, someone said something like, oh, that's a, like, that looks good. And then the guy said, oh yeah, Australian, Australian movie. Or homegrown Australian movies. And then she was like, oh, isn't it really an Australian movie? And, like, and he said yes. And then they decided not to see it. 
So something yeah, about that, it. That is, the, that is the thing, though. Australia, like, going through this museum, Australia actually does have a very rich film history. There are a lot of them are very, like... There are I, a lot I, of I'd very good Australian movies. Slightly it's, above. It's a very distinct style of film as well. And I think Australian movies, you know, if I added them up and averaged them, I think their average would be slightly above the global average of movies. In yeah. Quality. I think they're... There are some absolute good. garbage Australian films. But there yeah, are actually sure. some really good, low-budget... Sort of really small stories yeah. that I think the Australian cinema industry really does excel in. I think something like Lion that came out this year, which is an Australian yeah. movie, was very, very well done. I think there's something there's something that goes on in people's minds where they think that um, if that that movies get a free pass here if they're Australian, which I think they do, to which an they extent. they probably do, but that doesn't. I don't think there's a strong history of Australian movies getting a free pass and then end up ending up being bad though. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think, I think people in Australia, people go see Australian movies. People, I think people do like to see Australian movies in Australia. And I think that people people will go see Australian movies that are less good just because they're Australian. Yeah. And now, like, but that, now there's that sort of almost pushback mentality of like yeah. not wanting to see them because they're Australian. Yeah. I do is, wonder sometimes what they... Th- how they do overseas. Because they must take notice. Americans try and remake Australian I, I, shit all the time. I think some of them do, do well overseas. Yeah. yeah. They must do well enough for American companies to try and copy them. Yeah. But, it's always weird when, the, yeah. when they try and remake Australian they shows. They always fuck it up, don't they? Like, when they make bad. Australian shows in America. Just There's an Australian like, version of Rake. Yeah. And they wondered why it didn't work. Yeah. yeah. Like, Rake is a show that I feel is just so... Australian in its sensibility and so specific and its to Cleaver Green. Yeah. Like it's a Wolverine kind of scenario where Wolverine is not a very good character in X-Men and he, he was never popular in X-Men. He's like Iron Man, never popular. And then he was played by Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman like liked the character, brought something to it. I'm sure he was there saying Wolverine wouldn't do this, Wolverine wouldn't do that. Same with Robert Downey Jr. I think same with um with Richard Roxborough, like that character is Richard Roxburgh. It yeah. doesn't work without him. Yeah. And it exactly. certainly doesn't work in America. Yeah. And you know, they made... Have you seen The Inbetweeners? Very They British. made an American... They in- made an American oh. Inbetweeners. Which they already sort of have. It's, it's, it's um, super bad. Yeah. Right? Uh, like, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. But... Uh, <laughs> it's yeah. not good. Anyway, yeah. If you're, in, if you're in Melbourne, you should definitely check it out. It's yeah. a free museum. If you enjoy our podcast and you like movies and stuff, it's very, very interesting to see. They have a uh, like a full size replica of the Interceptor from Mad Max One, oh, which yeah. is really cool. Oh. And they've got a bunch of like props and yeah. there's, um, I think it's Kate Blanchett or Nicole Kidman's Oscar. Mm. Is that like the actual thing is there, which is kind of cool? They to really see. are sadly interchangeable in a lot of people's minds. I think those two. No, I, no, I don't think so. I struggle sometimes, and they don't look nothing alike. But I just struggle sometimes. They're in such different movies, though. I know, I know. I think it's just because like, it's like you think like good Australian actress. Oh, don't say like that. That's, ago, that's just dismissive. I feel. Really? Yeah. Uh, there's not that many that I can think of that really like push into that. That's US crowd. That's true. But that doesn't mean that they're the same person. I know. I just have trouble. <laughs> I think I have some like I, I. I. It's not like Australian actress like actors, or it's not an actress thing. Sometimes I just have like interchangeable people for me. Like I yeah. always think it's the other person, and sometimes they don't even make sense at all. 
Mm. I'll, I'll just I'll just think like it could be that person or that guy. <laughs> I can't remember which one. Because <laughs> yeah. of Face Off, now every time I think John Travolta, I somehow think Nic- Nicolas Cage, and they're so different. <laughs> just from Face Off, I'm just like, oh, that must be that must be one of those two guys. Mm. Did you say they also talked about techniques? Yeah, so they had a bunch of exhibits about different ways that they, like, build tension in movies. Every time different, different, Yeah, like, basically okay. sort of different styles of cinematography. And then they had, like, a whole thing about um, special effects in movies and the evolution of that. And then also, like, the slow-mo stuff that they did for the Matrix movies. They had, like, a whole thing explaining how they did that, which yeah. was really cool. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, just a bunch of really interesting film history stuff that was just really it was it was good to good to see so, I like, so I like if you're about that old prop kind of uh movie prop history and like that whole industry mm. whether it's better or not i know it's like a big sort of thing to talk about but whether it's better or not uh i feel like you know advances in technology and special effects have sort of really taken away from the crazy sort of the, like, the, the law of movies. Yeah, just, like, the insane things that they had to do to get some of these And the way that objects work. became, became, like, really, really sought after. Like, the Blade Runner gun, hmm. I know, is, like, a huge deal for people who try and recreate movie props. And it, the reason that it's like that, like, like Han Solo's gun, it was, it was made with not much, sort of, thought like care but not really thought in like the provenance of the parts it was just like some dude went to a model shop some guy you know ordered these guns that were easier to order at the time they were like mausers like a a german officer's gun that you could get and like strapped some space bits to it strapped some space bits to it yeah and actually people having to try and find those space bits is just really really Hard and these days it's like oh that's just the gun that was just fabricated that that's just Star Lord's gun yeah you know we just built that or edited it in or whatever you know mm. it's kind of sad I like hearing about that kind of shit cool it's it's kind of great that it's managed to keep blacksmiths in work the movie industry God that's such a it's such a cool uh, trade yeah like when like I- a like a skill that is dying yeah like when i was in uh, when i was in melbourne i went and visited some friends in ballarat did you go to sovereign hill i never i, asked I, I didn't go to sovereign God. hill but i did go to they have a medieval castle in ballarat called cryo castle good enough <laughs> which is like just the the campiest most like every like fantasy stereotype you can think of yeah. they have in this castle like they have the wizard's tower and they have like a jousting arena and you go through this thing where you're like trying to find dragon eggs and, yeah. and like it's it's oh, just like cool. mega cliche like that, but it was it was just so fantastic. And they have their own blacksmith on site, yeah. which is this big portly dude with just a massive beard, so great, balding head, and he's got one of those like caps on. Yeah, and he like he makes all his own, does all his own leather work and makes swords and just has his forge there. And he was just like, we had a massive chat with him. He was just like the coolest dude. Apparently he makes like a bunch of armor for LARPing and stuff like that. (laughs) And then, and then they had this, uh, like they had like an actual joust with 
like world-renowned jousters, well, like this is semi-professional what I was saying. How jousters. How cool is it? I used to watch online when I found out that one of the actors from Merlin was like a really great melee champion, which is what the one the the event where they smack each other with swords, get yeah. points for smacking each other, and that's a real thing. And ja- like that's like, great. All these things are just it's ridiculous so great. and just great. Yeah, like and they, so they they actually had people actually joust and yeah. they used balsa wood lances. So they'd like snap in in they all ways. Them. Yeah, yeah. They were always designed to splinter. In fact, that's how you earned a point. Is if the, you broke a lance on someone, yeah, you wouldn't earn the point. But, but they weren't. It wasn't just with balls of wood, so you could just kind of go think and it would right. splinter because you don't yeah. actually want to kill someone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but they actually have proper with like pine, full pine lances. Yeah. you know the like one dehorsing people. The and, one historically accurate thing in a knight's tale, and <laughs> everything. There's nothing else is. Is good, but the one historically accurate thing they have this moment where they're talking about like how Heath Ledger is, is like ballsy because he looks at the guy who he's trying to hit, and that's actually a real thing. Like the reason it was so difficult, like it was so impressive to hit someone with the lance. Like you think it's a big fuck off lance, and they can only ride in one direction. How are you not hitting the guy? Yeah, it's because it was like a slap fight kind of thing. Like both people were looking away. And, and if you look straight ahead, those... you, had, you had these like two tiny oh, yeah. slits. But if you look straight ahead, even if you had this like this helmet thing, there was a good chance, like a fifty percent chance, with all that pine flying around, that it would just stab you in the eye, and that would be it. like yeah, that would be it. You get stabbed in the eye, and you die. So, so, yeah. so both of these guys were riding at each other, like just looking the other way. <laughs> Just, oh shit, oh I shit, imagine, oh yeah, shit, yeah. oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. <laughs> and just like waiting. And no wonder they got hurt so much because like your body's not ready for it. You don't know where the other guy's lance is going. Yeah. Once I learned that, I was, was like, oh, cra- that's, that's... Crazy, a, crazy time. That actually sounds kind of terrifying. That's great. Yeah. If, you, yeah, if you're in Ballarat, you cry castle. No, he wasn't doing any demonstrations when oh, we were there. Man. I think I've talked about this before on the podcast, but the blacksmith at Sovereign Hill, he's... Yeah, I, I saw him when I was there like 10 years ago. Yeah, I was. When we were talking to him, he stopped making whatever sort of standard thing he was making. And um, there was, a, there was a, a, a little boy there uh, who was really interested. And so he grabbed a small bit of metal. And over the course of the next like 30 seconds, he made, him, he made this kid this like Lothlorien leaf. Kind of, you know, the brooches they wear yeah, in the yeah. Rings? How it's this leaf that is made out of metal, but shaped in such a way that it fucking looks like a natural sort of leaf, like it's landed in a natural position. And it was just a few like tap, tap, taps, a twist or two, all that shit, handed it to him. Incredible stuff. Yeah. Well, really we- sad that it's useless now, but like incredibly cool. Yeah. It's not so, like, I mean, these guys make heaps and heaps of money from- That's true. From There's such an attraction to that work, though, And it? yeah, like I think- Lord of the Rings, there was a massive, would have been a massive resurgence. Oh, and they make a lot of really cool Game, Game of Thrones and stuff. Like yeah. they make a lot of cool, cool proper swords. The problem, yeah. with, the problem that I've heard that people are having these days with that, with that, is the fact that they, the the blacksmith guys. If you hire an actual blacksmith, he makes an actual sword, and there's a huge difference between an actual sword and a prop sword, or an actual sword and even like someone's attempt at making a sword, right? Because that shit will kill you. Like, mm. it's designed to kill you. It is incredibly sharp, incredibly dangerous. It's also really heavy. And we are here. And just, like, like a lot of people just have these things now. 
and it, it's like been a real problem in America. I know for like the police and stuff. Like, some, you, like you some, might rock up to a like a whatever dispute or, or yeah. whatever, and there's someone yeah. with just a fucking or a boy, claymore, or a boy takes his um takes his claymore to larping, eh? And like accidentally chops off ac- someone's head. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> um. So I've, I've heard that's a big problem. But good on, like, I'm really glad that there is an industry, there's like yeah, a, yeah. an well, industry. Yeah, well, so, so apparently the guy had only been working there four years and he did a Bachelor of Fine Arts at like Uni of Melbourne or something and he did a Bachelor of Fine Arts black, in blacksmithing. Like you can get a degree great. in blacksmithing. How great is Movies that? These are a big industry. Yeah. You know, you can do that. Yeah. Nerds really, will pay a lot for stuff. Yeah, really, really cool. I saw this line of lightsabers. Hmm. That were um, it was a lightsaber samurai sword. Oh, oh, jeez! Okay, it just it looked, it looked amazing, <laughs> and I'm sure like it was just incredibly dangerous. <laughs> you know, goodbye, pinky. How, that's it's gone. How exactly was it a lightsaber samurai sword? It was just the hilt was like a like a lightsaber, like a like a lightsaber, and the and that had like a big long. So there's there's a technique. A flat blade there's a is... technique in forging now where you put a certain oxide, I believe. You, you fold it through the metal and um, upon heating, uh, the the metal will change color really drastically. Like it's very mm. sensitive to heat, like a mood ring. So, and yeah, then it like, retain its color. So then you would heat it to the, to the like really and you, specific you can, temperature. You can quench it in certain types of oil yeah. and that'll and, give it and a certain it'll, color it'll as well. It'll heat to the very specific temperature that's needed to make it green. Yeah. And that's how... So they do that. That's also how they ma- how they make uh, working replicas of Sting from Lord of the Rings. Is they heat it to a certain temperature that it turns blue. Mm. And of course, you can't really do like that's a that's a modern day technique. They have like kilns that you can just set, granularly you can just dial up. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting shit. Cool stuff. Yeah. So well, a good trip to Melbourne. Yeah, yeah. Good good trip to Melbourne. Saw a bunch of people. Did a bunch of stuff. Yeah, it was fun. Um, you wanted to talk about a movie. I wanted to talk about a movie. I, I, I'm undertaking uh, a responsibility to to provide horror movie reviews to, to our audience. Because I like... <laughs> or horror- specifically to me, mainly, yeah, really. I like horror movies. You don't. I feel like it's my job to to watch them. Yeah. So I can, we can talk about them on the podcast. Because there are a few horror movies that, come, that have just come out that are supposed to be fairly good. And I think the horror genre, more than any other genre, is, is one that is really suffering at the moment. Like, really? Yeah. I think that there are very few good horror movies these days, even fewer horror monster movies. Just, uh, yeah, very few good ones. Anyway, I think it's a genre that the people are really struggling to get right right now. And, and I think it's a lot of it to do with the fact that it's, it's, we're just over the kind of shit that people are doing these days. You know, like, um, no one's scared of their doll. Now, Mm. No one owns. No one owns a doll. Like not even young kids own dolls anymore, right? Yeah. So the, the like the thing about horror movies is like initially they were meant to pick something that you were genuinely afraid of, and we just like our those, fears have like, changed. Yeah. You know, and and um, you know what, Pete? I'm not going to talk about Cure for Wellness. I'm going to talk about another movie that I watched earlier. Okay. And I don't want you to think about how I watched it, because. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> It was a movie that I wanted to watch, and I did want to. I mean, want to wait to you're bringing it up yeah. now, mate. You know what? Um, Feel free. You're, you're going to take the full brunt of everybody's judgment. Yeah. Um, 
I watched uh, I watched another movie. I, so I watched The Cure for Wellness, which yeah. is good. And well, one movie that I want to talk about really quickly because it's even weirder. Yeah, but really a really good example. Right, of well, that. G- give us the Cure for Wellness thumbs up, thumbs down. Uh, I would say go watch Split instead. Those are your two options for horror movies right now. Yeah. I decided to go watch A Cure for Wellness. Yeah. It's got a really good message in it, but the, it sort of trails off into some really serious weirdness. Yeah. Okay. Right, by the end. Eel sweat juice. It just doesn't really make sense. <laughs> it's really weird. It, it's got a good message. It's really, like If you're a horror movie fan, I would say watch both of those movies. But if you want to prioritize... I haven't seen it yet, but I would go watch... Like, if I could go back, I probably would have watched Split first because I've heard good things about it. And and um, from from all that I've heard, and the ending was sort of spoiled for me, it's a little bit more... Even though it's Shyamalaniness, it's a bit more makey sensey than the other one, you know? Yeah. Okay, so what's this other movie? So the other movie that I, want, I, I just want to mention... Yeah. Because it's really good, is a movie called Get Out. Right. It's a movie by a fairly... Not, um, a, a fairly... Uh, obscure director whose name I've forgotten so don't ask me Peter I wasn't prepared to do this movie (laughs) but if you can stomach horror movies maybe you should try it so this movie is a great example of something that picks something that we're actually scared of now and makes it into a movie that is like an actual it's directed by um like Key and Peele isn't it yeah 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 one of them it's not directed by both of them yeah Anyway, it's a movie, you, you, like, this is, it's a weird, weird, weird concept, but it's done it's really like well. It's a comedy horror. No. It's directed by Jordan Peele. It is 100% not a comedy. It's like, it, it, I, don't know, I don't know what it says there, but it's not, it, it says comedy horror. So, horror. let me get to the movie, Okay, Peter. okay. So, it's a movie that picks something that we are scared of now, and then makes a horror, like, story out of it. So, it is a horror movie about racism. More specifically, about this sort of new kind of racism where um, you have uh, like a whole group of the left like side of white people who say that they really like black people, um, (laughs) but are sort of still being racist uh, in the sense that like they sort of see black culture as being like really uh, novel. Right? Um, yeah. So they're sort of being racist by saying how much they love black people, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, and they make... And, and, and the movie is like a great horror story out of that. So it's a movie about this mixed race couple uh, where the guy is black and the girl takes him home to meet her parents, her white parents. Yeah. Um, and... He's actually a little worried about it, which is sad, really, you know, in our society. But um, she says it's fine. It's totally fine. Uh, they really like black people. <laughs> and so he goes to the suburb and he goes to the suburb where it turns out his friends, you know, like, you know, they've got that classic outside friend character who's really far away, but they can talk on the phone. Yeah. His, his nurse friend looks it up and, f- and finds out that a lot of black guys have been going missing from that area. And what follows is a really down the rabbit hole horror movie where things get weirder and weirder and weirder. And since you're not going to see it, yeah, it's sort of my job as as Pete's friend, by the way, to like to be my give him the movie. give him the full spoiler full yeah. rundown of horror movies <laughs> because he's not going to watch them. But that horror movies often, I think, one of the reasons I really like, like watching them have really interesting plots, yeah, or premises, right? Like, 
And this one, so this is this is where I'm going to end it. Like, jumped forward to where I talk about where Peter talks about his next thing, uh, which you, if you can don't, see in the podcast description. In the description, if yeah. So that's it. If you, uh, don't, if you want spoilers, to watch Get Out, yeah. Spoilers for a couple of minutes. Yeah. Chris reading. <laughs> Go watch Get Out first. So uh, basically, what happens is that he goes there, and things start to get like weird. Initially, sort of softly weird, you know, like. Um, racist comments at the dinner table kind of thing mostly uh sort of based on i guess positive um sort of like racist tropes about black people sort of like stereotypes like they're very athletic right that kind of thing um but very strange you know like sweater wearing dad racist comments kind of thing but things start to get really unsettling and like the first half of the movie is um nothing really big significant like happens in terms of horror yeah um but it's one of those movies where from the very first second they arrive in the town like it, it, it's really tense you know like you feel yourself having like tell yourself to relax because things are getting <laughs> things are getting real <laughs> weird without them getting actually that weird like the, yeah. the like, sort of, uh, like there's a scene where there's two black uh black people who work on the estate mm. there is the i can't remember their names there's the groundskeeper and there's the maid, and both of them are sort of really weird. He says tries to say hi to them, and they don't really respond that that much. Um, and there's a scene where he is at the door, and um, the black groundskeeper like sprints at him. This is what I'm talking about weirdness at the start. Like starts sprinting towards him uh, from like the field, and like gets to him. And there's a moment where they like look at each other in this sort of weird way. And then he just runs off again. It's like very weird stuff. There's a scene where um, he comes back in the house from that interaction. And the mother is like sitting there waiting for him in the dark. And all this sort of stuff. And this is where the movie really takes a turn, right? You'll never see this coming. So they're sitting down and he, he sits down and he's had some... I can't remember. He's had some sort of problem in his past. Uh, his mother died? I thought Something like that? I forget, it's been a little bit, but she gets him talking about that and, and it's a little weird how he starts getting, he just tells her all this stuff and like cries and things like, that doesn't really make too much sense. Like in the, I'll give them, I'll give them, I'll give you that. But the, the mum then through like her teacup and stuff, puts him into this trance. So she says that she'll hypnotize his people and he, he's going to, she's going to hypnotize him to help him forget the memories of his mom dying or to deal yeah, with yeah. it, right? So he agrees and then she sort of like does this thing where he she puts him in this place in his mind that has a name that I've also forgotten, but it's like a pit where he can see everything that's going on, but he's not in control of his, his, his mind. He's like really docile. And it turns out all the people, all the black people that have come here have been put into this trance, right? Yeah. So that's weird. Okay. And then it starts to get really weird when the, then the parents invite all their other white rich friends over to meet him, but they're all sort of like judge him like a, like a, like a piece of meat or like livestock. So they're like, like there's one woman who's completely like, um, ignoring what he's saying to her. And he's busy, like, squeezing his bicep and stuff. Um, and it's really strange. And he's sort of a bit lethargic because he's been put into this trance. Or, like, he's been... 
there's something that will trigger this trance. Yeah. When he when he's brought back out of it. Keep trying to think of what's happening. I, you know what? It's worth trying, but I yeah. doubt you'll, I doubt you'll <laughs> yeah, see yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, Okay, okay, okay. Um, and so they come to this place, and then he's sort of... He's, oh, his first interaction before he's sort of, sort of kind of put back in the trance. Uh, it's kind of hard to tell what's going on with him. He's sort of docile. Where he, he there's this other black guy that, that, that is taken... That one of the other people brings. And he is treated normally. Yeah. Um, and he, he, he he's eating food from a cart. And it's sort of, this is sort of weird scene where like he's like oh excited to see this guy so he touches his shoulder goes for a fist bump the guy like shakes his fist and um and then there's this moment where I'm trying to think of what happens I think he uses a camera something that generates a flash so he generates this flash and the guy black guy like suddenly uh, he gets out of this trance he must have been in a trance as well and he like tells him to run I think he tells him to kill him or something like that. And then he's put back in the trance um, and everything sort of goes back to normal. And then the, the guy is trotted up on stage. Our main character is trotted up on this like pergola area. And then people bid on him because uh, they're bidding on him. It's like, and I'm thinking, okay, so it's like a, it's like neo slavery. Something's happening there. Yeah. But no, Peter, it turns out, and I'm going to skip ahead now because yeah. a lot of stuff happens. Right. But it turns out this family, um, He's been around for a while and they've been part of a cult that's obsessed with living forever. And sort of weirdly, um, they've only chosen to kidnap black people because they have this sort of racist view that black people are better at sport and are generally more athletic. Right. So what they do is they put them in a trance and then they transplant. The trance is important somehow for the transplantation. This is some weird pseudoscience that makes no sense. And then they transport their brains, transplant their brains into these people that they capture so that they can live longer. Right? Okay. So the woman who says she's the maid but is cooking for people all the time is actually his girlfriend's, like, uh, grandmother who's been put into this the body of this other woman. Right? So they're auctioning off him to someone who wants to put their brain in his body. Okay. It is real weird. <laughs> so then what happens? Uh, the, well, some crazy shit happens. Um, what's notable? Uh, oh, there's a scene where you... I'm sort of thinking about this, but you realize... So he's trying to leave, and the girlfriend says, like, We're, I can't find the keys. You know, when they're, so his when girlfriend's they're alone. trying to help him? Well, well, he, well, the girlfriend says, I can't find my keys. And he sort of finds out later, he finds this other picture in his girlfriend's room of um, another boyfriend that she's had um, that's also black and another girlfriend that she's had that's also black. And it turns out she's in on it. She's like, she dates these people and brings them back to meet her family so that they can steal their bodies. Yeah, it's it, it gets really weird. And then, they, and then he, at some point, every all the tables turn. They're about to do the transplant. He shrugs off the curse. He shrugs off the hypnotism. Yeah. He brutally kills, like, all the family. Because <laughs> uh, he's freaking out. Like, all the family. And then tries to save the maid. So, he, he brings the maid. Um, puts her in the car as they're driving away. Which is the most scary scene when you're driving away. And, um, of course, now we know, Peter, that the maid is actually... Grandma racist woman, yep. Who is like her whole family? He's just murdered. 
So they're driving away and at a, a time where she's been really quiet, it's a scary scene. And then like, she just like freaks the fuck out, um, like grandma rage and like attacks him and they're fighting. They get into a car crash and he ends up like, and then like the, I don't know, it's the shit, shit happens. And he's eventually found by his friend who's like coming to look for him. But it, it's a, it's a, it's a really interesting premise and a, and a, and a sort of different type of horror movie. And the director, one of the Peels, Jordan Peel, Jordan Peel, um, said his plans to make like a, he has he's in mind like a series of these movies where they're based on like social fears. So there'll be one on like social media and technology, misogyn- misogynism, and oh, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. Man, Get out! It's an interesting that, movie. That's an. That's a very interesting. It's a very interesting movie. movie. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Cure for Honest is also interesting, but it's it gets a little weird, freaky deaky at the end, and doesn't really make sense. Okay, so uh, homework movie yeah. for next week. I'm sorry, I took up a lot of time. Peter wants to talk about Nintendo Switch next. Yeah, episode. yeah, yeah. So I bought a Nintendo Switch, but I'll have to talk about that next someone, week. Someone comment on the video, be like, Sam, remember, don't take up too much time. One thing I will quickly show you is the coolest thing about it is oh, when you snap on a bit. It's when very you like, like when you like snap in the controllers, it makes this awesome sound beautiful sound it like clicks that's our review of the gaming console <laughs> it has some very cool like menu sounds and stuff anyway <laughs> i'll talk about that in more depth next week yeah um but yeah homework movie for this week we are gonna watch con air cage opus con, con air. air my favorite nicholas cage movie i cannot tell you how many times i've seen this I've, and i've never, and seen, it, never so. seen it so yeah, oh, look man, I've one. seen it. I've seen that movie at least ten times. It is like fun for the whole, maybe not the whole family. <laughs> fun for if you have like a, a like a big like a few brothers and sisters. Fun for the fun for the all grown up family. It is it is like just so great. Yeah, yeah. So we're gonna watch that. Um, as always, like us on Facebook, rate yep. review on iTunes. Um, we're on SoundCloud, we're on Instagram. Instagram is all those Instagram things. and Facebook are the two important ones. Facebook will have very like random new stuff on it and Instagram will like you can get to see what beer we're drinking beforehand and, and all that sort of good stuff. Someone suggested to me they they want to do this thing where they you know, they look at the Instagram, they see what beer we had and so they sit down with that beer and, and listen to the episode. Yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah. Um but yeah, thanks for listening. We're out. I'm going to see Conair right now. Kiss your dad square the lips. Oh, we can't say that. <laughs>